Good evening, people. Wow, that was weak. I said, good evening, people. All right, cool. Listen, if you get your Bibles with you, go ahead and pull them out. If you got it on your phone, go ahead and pull it up. If you got notebooks, get them out, because if you aren't taking notes, you should be, okay? So take notes tonight. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. I believe tonight is the kind of message that has the possibility and the opportunity to transform the way that you relate to God and the way you relate to people. This is the kind of concept that once I began to realize this to be true within my life, I, I found my relationship with God going to a whole other level. So I want to encourage you guys tonight. What we talk about tonight, um, take all of this in. Allow this to do something to you, to speak to you in some kind of way. Really quick, before we go any further, what I want you to do is just close your eyes real quick. I want you to think of one person who's not here tonight that should be here tonight with you. Think of one person in your mind right now. Close your eyes. Might be two people. I want to challenge you with your eyes closed right now. That person this week, I want you to invite them to come back and join you next Sunday night, okay? That person that you know that needs to be here for this suit-up series so that they can protect themselves the same way that you are as well, think about that person, invite them this week, and say, come with me, come join me. Fair enough? All right, open your eyes. Okay, here we go. Tonight, you guys are in a series called Suit Up, okay? So I know last week, Stout kicked this thing off, right? This is week two, is that correct? Thank you. Thank you. So Stal, I know kick this off. I know he does a wonderful, wonderful job. But tonight we're going to be continuing this series where we look in the book of Ephesians. This series is, is crucial, guys. This series is incredibly, incredibly helpful for you, I believe, in your walk with Jesus. Each and every day when you go to school, within your friendships, within your family, this is crucial stuff. Because some of us in the room, we've already woken up to the fact that you are not just a physical being. There's a physical being that, that, that is a part of who you are. There's also a spiritual aspect of who you are. Some of you have woken up to this. Some of you have not yet. So tonight, I want to talk about that specifically. But before we get into that, I want to introduce to you a very amazing young man tonight. This is my son, Eli Miller. Eli, come on out. Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, okay, cool. So this is Eli. This is my seven-year-old. He is a stud. He's been playing football for two years now. This is his little football outfit, little football uniform. And so um, Eli's been playing football. It's been awesome to watch him begin to play football. I played football all through middle school into high school, and then I played a year of college football. I'll show you a picture of me right here. Whoa. That is like 1980-something. Just kidding. That's like 2001 but 30 pounds ago. Okay, so that's that's Trevor Miller at Taylor University. Eli Miller right here. Now, if you notice, I'm 24 in high school. That was number two, the deuce, because the deuce was on the loose, you know what I mean? So turn around, Miller to right there too. Okay, so what I found out growing up playing football in middle school from the very beginning, and I've watched Eli learn it as well, it is incredibly crucial that you have all of this gear on your body. Any hits to the head, to the shoulder, to the thighs, right? This is incredibly important stuff if you're going to play football. So from middle school on, every year playing football from like sixth grade on, every year it got harder and hits were harder. And every year I was more like, right, I'm so glad I have all this equipment to protect myself. And in high school, every once in a while, I took a hit in high school that I thought, wow, that could have been really bad. Like I could have broken something that could have like ended my career or whatever. When I got into college, my freshman year of college, there, I had no business being there. The very first practice of our two a days for two weeks before school started, there was a guy who broke his ankle in practice. We're talking about practice. Broke his ankle. And I just, I watched it. I was like, this, I'm going to die. Like, this is how I'm going to die is playing college football. This is insanity. But I realized from very, very young and all the way through, I had to protect myself physically if I was going to play football. Got to have the helmet. Got to have the shoulder pads. Got to have the thigh pads. That was close, wasn't it? High five. Almost a groin. 
Give Eli Miller a hand, everybody. Good job. <laughs> well, that's true, bub. Good. So, <laughs> very important to have all of this gear. And most of us would not argue with this, would we? I mean, when it comes to like the physical nature of who we are, none of us would argue about trying to protect ourselves. If you're playing football, you got to wear the gear. If you're driving a car, you're going to put on a what? Seatbelt. If you're going to ride your bike, you wear a helmet, and you should. If you play paintball, got to wear the goggles. Otherwise, you'll get paint right in the eye. When it comes to the physical aspect of what we do and the way we live our life, not hardly anybody's going to argue with protecting yourself physically. But here's the problem what I want to argue tonight. A lot of us in this room, we don't realize that we're not just physical beings. You are not just a physical being. You are also a, a spiritual being. You are not just flesh and blood. You are also soul and spirit. And if we're going to go through all the trouble that we go through protecting ourselves physically, I would argue that we should also go through all the trouble of protecting ourselves what? Spiritually. Because here's what I know to be true. The Bible tells us this in John 10.10. Jesus himself says, The evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give you life and life to the full. The evil one comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You see, the problem is some of us in this room right now, even when I say that, you think of a, a guy in a red suit with pointy horns and a pitchfork when I say the evil one. But see, we have been, we've been so... It's become so normalized to us to think about it in that kind of way that it's kind of a joke when we think about the evil one or Satan. But I want to tell you right now, there is an evil one in the world who would love nothing more than to ruin your relationship with God and to wreck you from becoming the kind of person that God wants you to be. And if that's true, it is of utmost importance that we don't just protect ourselves physically, we also protect ourselves spiritually. This is what this entire series is about. A few years back, we took a group of high school students to the Dominican Republic. Who's going to Costa Rica this summer, just out of curiosity? All right. Okay, cool. So we went to the Dominican a couple of years ago. And on the north shore of the Dominican, we went to this place, and there was this uh, location where a lot of Haitians had been brought into the country illegally. They had their passports taken from them, and they were forced to work in these sugarcane fields. And they were promised freedom eventually. It never really happened. A lot of them died working in the sugarcane fields. And so we would go in and spend time with these folks and minister to them and, and feed them and take care of them. And I remember one of the first times going into this community, into this village, there was all kinds of voodoo temples in every corner because there's a lot of different religions in Dominican Republic, but voodoo is a, is a major, major thing that's come from Haiti into the country. And so in this community, as soon as we walked in, you could just feel it in the air. If you've been to a place or a location, you've experienced something, you could just tell there was something going on behind the scenes. It wasn't just what was happening physically, there was something happening spiritually as well behind the scenes. We walked through this community and spent time with these folks, and you could just feel in the air there was evil. There was just this evil presence that was going on there. And for a lot of students, they'd never felt that kind of feeling. And they realized, wait a minute. We have better start waking up. Because what we deal with each and every day is not just physical in nature. What we deal with every single day also has a spiritual element to it. And what this means is that we better start suiting up and being prepared for it. Here's what Ephesians chapter 6, y'all read this last week, verse 12 says, just as a reminder. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 understands this concept thoroughly. He knows this to be true. And so he's writing about it in this letter to the book of, into these folks who live in Ephesus. He says this in chapter 12, verse 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, don't, don't get this twisted. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's, it's, about, it's about the evil one. It's about a spiritual force that would love to take us out. But for a lot of us, we think it's only about 
flesh and blood. Paul says, don't misunderstand. There's something else going on behind the scenes. What this means is, a lot of us, when we get into some kind of conflict of some kind, maybe, maybe the conflict is with our mom, with our dad, with friendships, with social circles, whatever it might be. For a lot of us, we see that as the battle. I'm angry with my mom right now. I'm angry with my friends right now. I'm angry with this dude or this girl at school right now. And what we don't realize is that potentially behind that physical battle that we're involved in, there's a spiritual battle that's going on at all times. I believe that there's an evil one who, who is battling right now for every single soul that's sitting in these chairs today. The evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. In this metaphysical world, Beyond the physical, behind the veil, on another plane, on another dimension, there is something happening that too often we totally neglect. But in a lot of foreign countries where people still believe in the spiritual realm, you'll see things that you would never experience in America because you know why? We only believe in things that we see and can touch and can feel. Beyond that, we think it's false. We have been so blinded to the fact that we better begin to suit up and take care of ourselves, protect ourselves in a spiritual level. I believe that many of the reasons that we find ourselves in struggles with relationships, emotions, temptations, is because of the very forces that Paul is talking about in chapter 6. So in the book of Ephesus, Paul gets this. If you're going to live a life that's going to honor Jesus, if you're going to live a life as a Christian, if you're really going to do the things that God's called you to do, then you have to realize we've got to be on our guard. We've got to pick up all the tools that Paul is teaching us about in chapter 6 and begin to live them out each and every day. This is reality, not just physical, but also spiritual. So Paul says this after verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Chapter 11, verse 11. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guard. After you've done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, which is what Stal talked about last week, right? There is something called truth. In a world that is full of relative truth, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. That's not how the world works. There is real truth to be known, and you can stand on that. So Paul said, you gotta, or Stal said too, you gotta buckle up with that. Wear that every single day. And then he says, with this truth buckled around your waist, also add to it the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now this word that Paul uses here, he says, pick up, put on then these different pieces, these different tools that you've been given to protect yourself, not just physically, but also spiritually. Put them on. This is the Greek word, analambano. Everyone say analambano. You're pretty good. This literally means in the Greek to pick up, to raise up to choose. What Paul is saying is the things that he's about to offer to us, these are not mandatory. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to do this, but you'd be wise to do this. He says you're gonna have to choose to do this, to pick these things up and put these things on. You can either choose to utilize them or to ignore them. It is your choice. You see, some of you today, when you got up this morning and you went to church somewhere, you chose certain clothes to put on to go to church. Some of you put on clothes that you chose to wear tonight. Some, it looks like it just happened, right? You're either one of two people in the room. You're either the person who puts out their clothes and lays them out nicely the night before. Anybody in the room? 
Nice. You pick out, this is the outfit I'm wearing tomorrow. I'm going to iron it and lay it all out and be like, wow, the colors all match. This is very well coordinated. This is called being intentional. Some of us in the room also, more like me, we do more things like, hey, uh, well, I got to wear something. I can't just walk out the house without any clothes on. So you just grab whatever you wore the day before. It smells like you ran a marathon on it, but you don't mind. You put it right on and you go. Anybody in the room? Yeah, that's you. That's you. Good job, Rockstone. You know the only difference is? Only difference between those two people is this. Intentionality. Deciding what you're going to wear and then just letting it happen to you. Paul says, put on then. Raise up. Choose what you will wear. Choose what you will put on. This does not happen by accident. Please hear me tonight. If you are someone who wants to protect themselves from a spiritual standpoint, this doesn't happen by accident. Paul says you got to put it on. First, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, which sounds like a sweet piece to put on, doesn't it? It's very epic sounding, like kind of Lord's, Lord of the Ringsy. Is that a word? Kind of games of Game of Thronesy, you know? Put this thing on, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this was something they actually would have worn back in the time when Paul was writing this because Paul, remember, he was in prison. So Paul in prison would have seen all kinds of Roman guards who would have walked around at all, with, at all times with everything that he lists in chapter 6, especially the breastplate of righteousness. It would be made out of bronze or it would be made out of leather, perhaps, or iron. They would place it over themselves and the breastplate of righteousness would cover the entire torso. Guess why? You have the most vital organs that exist right here. I mean, you can lose a toe if you got to in battle, right? A hand, it'd be rough, but you could. But you could not have a vital organ that was injured in some kind of way. So you had to cover it with the breastplate, and the breastplate of righteousness, breastplate, is what Paul says to put on. And here's why. Paul, I think, is trying to play on what anybody would have understood about about weapons of war and the things that you would wear. Because he knows, though it would cover the most vital organs, as Christians, we have to cover the most vital organ of all, which is the heart. The heart. So when Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness, what he's thinking about is if you go to battle, you can't have your heart stop. If your heart stops, you bleed out, you're dead. Same thing is true spiritually. If your heart gets injured, if your heart is harmed, same thing is true, you will never make it. When you, when you hear the word heart, what do you think of? Love, right? You think of Valentine's Day, perhaps, or you, know, you draw it on stuff, you know, whatever. A heart, love. What else do you think of? What's that? A shape, yes. A heart. The color red. What else? A heartbeat, blood, right? It pumps blood through your body. If you were a Jewish person who was reading this then, or a Greek person reading this then, this actually comes from a Hebrew word. The word is lev, L-E-V. This word literally means uh, heart, but it literally means from their understanding, not just something that pumps blood through your body or something that you do on Valentine's Day. They believe the heart to be the very center of every human being. Your heart was the core of who you are. Your heart was where all your actions, thoughts, decisions, and desires all flowed from. So the heart was not just a, an organ in your body. The heart was incredibly crucial for you becoming the kind of person that you want to be, living the kind of life that you want to live. If you were going to do it, you had to make sure your heart was protected. Your love had to be protected. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, in the Old Testament, this is why the writers in Hebrew, they wrote this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Some places say, above all else, guard your heart, because it's where your life flows from. 
All of your life flows from this one location. Do you understand why Paul would say, put the belt of truth on, then put that torso, make sure it is covered by the breastplate of righteousness, protecting your heart, for it's where all of your life flows from. I love the backpack. Anybody in the room like go backpacking out in the woods or anything like that? When you go backpacking, I've been with Rockstone before. Quick story. One time he got sick in the backcountry, probably four miles back, remember? And I was so terrified. Like, I'm going to have to carry this dude out of here. But you recovered. Well done. So, I don't know where I came from. So, uh, squirrel. Um, so, we went backpacking. And when you go backpacking, you got to find a water source. You can make it a few days without food, perhaps, but you cannot make it very long without water. You've got to find water. And the most crucial thing is to find water that is clean. If you can't find clean water, you've got a serious problem. So when we go backpacking, we got to find some kind of stream. you got to follow that stream to find out where it comes from. Because if you don't come, if that water doesn't come from a clean source, you've got dirty water. And very quickly, your relaxing hike in the woods can become a frantic squat in the woods. You know what I mean? If you don't drink the right water. You know what I'm saying? Diarrhea. Anyway, so pathogens and bacteria can get into your body if you don't have clean water. It's got to come from a clean source. If you filter from dirty water, you can have problems. This is why Proverbs, I believe, grabs a hold of this concept. Above all else, guard your heart. The breastplate of righteousness. Guard your heart for it's where all of your life flows from. Here's, here's what I want to say tonight. Some of us in the room, you have so much information that's being offered to you at all times that many of us in the room right now, we've already corrupted our hearts. The place where all of our life flows from it's already been corrupted. We've allowed things into our hearts that if we like it or not, it's affecting the way that we live, the way that we speak, the actions we choose, the relationships we have. Everything is affected by our hearts. And for some of us, we've allowed all kinds of things in because we watch certain shows that if we're honest, these shows put things into our heart that are eventually going to come out. We go to movies, we pay money to see certain movies, we play video games, we visit certain websites late at night, we text things to each other, we smoke, we drink these things, we have attitudes towards our parents, we text each other, we have problems with authority, problems with ourselves, and all of these things, if we are not careful, we allow them into our heart. Because the things that we see with our eyes, we hear with our ears, we touch with our fingers, these things go directly to our hearts. And if we're not careful, they have an effect on the way that we live our life. They become normative. They become a new nature for us. You ever had somebody say to you before, listen, man, you used to be so fun, but like your attitude is totally different. It's horrible. You ever had somebody, maybe you've noticed that the way you used to look at the opposite sex, you look at them differently now because some of the things that you've seen or experienced. I mean, maybe even with your family, with your parents, there seems to be a lot more friction, a lot of more uh, difficulty at home. Maybe your language, the things that you say, has become so foul, I would bet a million dollars it's because some of the things you've allowed into your heart. Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Cover the vital organ. Cover your heart and make sure it is protected, not just physically, but spiritually. Because there's an evil one who is lurking who would love nothing more than to ruin all that God is doing within you. And if you want to become the kind of person God wants you to be, you've got to make sure you suit up. You've got to make sure that it's covered. The evil one wages war, and this is how he does it. He's really good at it, and it's no secret, but for a lot of us in this room, we disregard it. Because we're convinced we're only physical in nature. There's not a spiritual aspect to us. Guard your heart above all else. It is where all of life flows from. 
What it takes is this breastplate of righteousness that Paul talks about to cover the vital organ, and you have to choose it every single day. It's not something that happens just accidentally. It's done with intention. This means when you get up in the morning, one of the first things you say is, God, would you please, God, help me guard my heart today. As I walk around and see things and hear things and experience things, give me wisdom, God, to choose things that I would allow in that would not cause problems for me and difficulties for me. God, let me put this belt of truth on so I know what's true and what's not. Listen, (laughs) some of the junk that y'all read on Instagram or whatever place you get your news from, Facebook, whatever, it is not true. And we begin to allow this truth in for us. Listen, the conversations that I'm having today compared to a conversation I was having 10, 15 years ago in student ministry are completely different. It's because we've been convinced that what we thought was true is not true. And what we never thought to be true now has become true. Truth is something you can know. And your heart is something that can be protected. But what's interesting to me is the way Paul talks about this. You see, this breastplate that Paul is talking about is not made of leather, bronze, or iron. It's made of something different. He says it's made of righteousness. It's an odd material to place over your torso to protect yourself. Righteousness. How do you even do that? How do you put that together? But this righteousness that he's talking about is not about doing things perfectly. This righteousness that he's talking about is not doing all things right. It's different. You see, righteousness for Paul is actually a state of being, not something that you do. So for Paul, righteousness You do good things not to become righteous. You do good things because you are righteous. Does that make sense? You don't do things so that you can be called a righteous person. You do good things because you are a righteous person. And here's how he explains it other places within Scripture. So if you want to protect your heart, here's the bottom line. Here's what I think we have to understand tonight. The first thing is this. Righteousness is not earned. If you're going to protect your heart by righteousness, it's not something that you can earn. It's not something you can work really, really hard to have. It's something that's gifted to you. It's something that's given to you. This is a hugely different understanding than most Christians have of righteousness. A lot of us think it's about doing the right things, saying the right stuff. But Paul says, no, no, no. This is a state of being. You can't do things enough to make God happy. You can't do enough things to make God love you. He already does. God, wow. So a little bit, a little bit ago, you saw my, my firstborn son up on stage with me, Eli, right? I remember like yesterday when Eli was born. Went to the hospital with my wife, and we never had a child before, so I'm like freaking out, trying not to pass out the whole time, and she's like, Trevor, you gotta pull it together. So we got a couple days there, we're trying to make this thing happen, right? So finally, Eli is born, and I'll never forget, I, I wept like a baby. Like, as soon as he was born, Jenica just kept saying, he's so cute, he's so cute. I was like, oh, yeah. And they handed him to me in this little, like, blanket thing. And I was holding him like, oh, my gosh, my son. I was, I was losing my mind. And I remember holding him, looking at him. And from the very beginning, I mean, straight out of the womb, I looked at him. And I was like, you are so perfect. Like, you're so amazing. And, and he had done nothing except for poop in a diaper. And as he's gotten older, we've discovered he's incredibly smart. He's amazingly athletic. He's super funny. He's just a great, great kid. But here's the thing. I don't love him more than I did when I first saw him. I love him the exact same. Because for Eli, he can't do anything that would change his standing before me. He is my son, and I love him. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him or her. 
<laughs> no, let me rephrase this. God made him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. For us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God, God saw fit to make Jesus sin on our behalf. And in doing so, he, be, he took on our sins so that we would receive in return righteousness as a gift. The righteousness of God. Here's what I mean. For whoever you are today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what your past week has looked like, your past month has looked like, your past year has looked like, you are righteous before God because of Jesus. And not because of anything good you've done. The Bible says all good things that we do are like dirty rags to God. They don't matter. But what Jesus has done, that matters. And you are righteous before him. This is why righteousness can be the, the shield that covers our heart. Not because you've done anything to earn it, but because God's given it to you. And if you can get through your head and into your heart that you are righteous before him, here's what I know to be true. You'll begin to change the way that you live. Not to earn it, but because of it. And if you begin to change the way that you live, the decisions you make, the kind of desires you have, the way that you speak, the things you do on the weekend, the way you spend time with friends, your girlfriend, your parents, you begin to change those things because of the righteous standing before God, guess what? You begin to protect your heart without even knowing it. Because the enemy can't play there. The enemy can't tempt you anymore. The enemy can't pain you in that location. You know why? Because you've covered it with the breastplate of righteousness. Given to you as a gift, not something you've earned. Secondly, and lastly, the other thing you have to understand is that you choose to live a righteous life. You choose to live a righteous life. I've had the privilege of knowing a lot of you in this room for a very, very long time. I mean, some of you, you were like, you were pooping in your own diaper in this church when I first came to this church, which is really weird to think about, actually, in a lot of different ways. Let's move on. So, but I've watched you guys grow up. And a lot of you have watched you have a relationship with Jesus and try to learn how to live this thing out. And for so many of you, I have been so impressed by the way that you have chosen to live the kind of life that you've chosen to live. And believe me, I remember high school. It's been a while ago. I remember high school, how difficult it was to be able to live this kind of life, to say no to some of these things I should say no to and yes to the things I should say yes to. It is not an easy thing. But just like when you get up in the morning, you choose what you're going to put on, you choose every day to live a righteous life because you've been given the opportunity to by the standing that you have before God. And when you choose to live a righteous life, man, you can keep yourself from making some of the bonehead decisions that we make too often. When we make those decisions, we cause ourselves heart pain. And it's the way the evil one loves to play. Your, your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is against spiritual forces, evil forces, all behind everything that we too often totally forget. So cover your heart with righteousness by choosing a righteous life. I remember being in high school. There was a time through middle school and high school I really began to realize that God had a plan for me. Like this wasn't a game. This wasn't something I just did on Sunday and I never thought about it again. This was something that God wanted me to kind of have a hold of and live each and every day. And when I began to realize this, I began to see my life really begin to change. My friendships changed. The way and the kind of influence I had on my football team began to change. All because I began to realize that God had a plan for me that was far greater than I'd ever possibly think or imagine. 
And it all changed because of realizing that I'm righteous before God because of Jesus Christ. And I can live a righteous life. I began to protect myself from some of the choices that I'd made before. The evil woman loved to try to throw stuff at me. And in some places in my life, I began to say, you know what? Not today. I don't have time for it. God's got a plan for me. And it wasn't every area. There were certain areas God began to grow me in and shape me in and mold me. And I'm still learning today, and I'm so thankful. But I don't know about you. But I want to suit up with all that God has given me to live the life that God has given me to live. The belt of truth first. The breastplate of righteousness covering our hearts. The most vital organ that we have is where all of our life flows from. Would you bow with me tonight? I want to pray for you. With your heads bowed. Maybe tonight as we've talked about all this, maybe you've realized there is this this thing that the evil one has been using in your life for a long time to hurt your heart and to hurt your life. And if that's you tonight, just with eyes closed, and nobody's got to know about it, I just, want, I just want to give you the opportunity to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If that's you tonight, you, you know this thing, and you're, and you're tired of the devil using it in your life, and you want to have freedom, then would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Just raise your hand boldly. And maybe tonight you realize that God has given you the opportunity to choose the way you'll live your life. And you're ready to choose the righteous life. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Nothing special or magic about that, but maybe it's the first step in saying, you know what, God? I want you to work in me. So God, I pray for every student here tonight, every adult in here tonight, God, who's raised their hands saying, God, I want to live the kind of life that you have for me. I want to see life and life to the full. I don't want the evil one to have any kind of place in my life. And so Jesus, I pray boldly tonight over every student. I pray against Satan and the works that he would love to do in their hearts in the name of Jesus. Would you protect them? Would you free them for real life, a life of righteousness, not to earn anything, but because of what they've already been given as a gift through Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. So as we worship now, God, would you move in our hearts in a powerful way? May we feel your spirit here with us, working in us and through us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.